You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews Okome. So let's get started. This episode of Side Hustle Pro is brought to you by Heat Free Hair. I received over 2,000 likes on my wedding photo and tons of DMs from people asking me about this hair. If you were one of the ladies who DM'd me, then you know that the hair that I was wearing during my wedding was from Heat Free Hair. My natural hair texture is somewhere between 4A and 4C, and this is the only brand that I trusted to blend perfectly with my own natural hair on that day. It blended seamlessly, lasted all night, and then I was able to rock it with a twist out on my mini moon the rest of the week. I have worn it countless times because it's so versatile, and to this day, I still get comments asking me about my wedding hair. Heat Free Hair has wefted hair, they have clip-ins, drawstring ponytails for women with natural hair, and now Heat Free is offering Side Hustle Pro listeners 15% off your first purchase when you use our code SIDEHUSTLEPRO at checkout. So to take advantage of this offer, go to heatfreehair.com, that's heatfreehair.com, and use code SIDEHUSTLEPRO. I'll be sure to place the promo code in the show notes. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Side Hustle Pro Live. We're here tonight to celebrate three years of the Side Hustle Pro podcast, hosted by my beautiful, talented, and illustrious wife. <laughs> right, right, right. I know you see it. <laughs> Straight out the Bronx BX zone, Nikayla Matthews Okome. <laughs> So for, for those of you who don't know me, probably most of y'all, <laughs> my name is Moyo Okome. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm Nigerian. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. None of that matters tonight. Tonight, I am husband to Nikayla Matthews Okome. <laughs> over the past three years, she's created a podcast that has over two million downloads. <laughs> but much, much more important than the numbers, has been the impact and the why. So she started the podcast at a time when she felt lost and didn't know where to go. And she almost started to feel like she wasn't enough. Anybody ever feel like that? Let me know. All right. So she found that she was telling the stories of black women entrepreneurs, and those were the stories she was attracted to, and she got addicted. She started going back to her roots as a blogger and a writer. The popular narrative out there said that to be an entrepreneur, you need to move out to Silicon Valley, move in with about eight or nine of your buddies, and live on an air mattress. She wasn't feeling that. <laughs> so she sought out the stories of real women like her who, who are not drawn to that narrative. They want to carve their own path, create businesses, freedom, and wealth. She had no idea how or why it could become a business, but she proceeded anyway. She knew those stories were powerful and that the world needed to hear them. So she kept seeking them out, building her skills as an entrepreneur, as a marketer, and as a podcaster and sharing them with the world. By no means has it been easy, but looking out at this room, I know it's been the right decision and it's been important. And this content has meant so much to so many people. Am I right? Yeah. All right, all right. So I think it's all been worth it. Would you agree? So I'm so proud of her for the work that she does. I'm so proud of you guys for the community, for being here and for all that you do, and I'm so proud of where everything is going. So tonight we're going to have a great conversation in store. We have, of course, 
Nikayla and Maya Elias. You guys excited for that? All right, all right. And we have a whole bunch of special surprises that you'll, you'll find out about in a minute. Just one more time, I want to give a round of applause for my wife, Nikayla Matthews Okome, the one and only. Hey, look at y'all. Thank you. Thank you for being here tonight. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. So I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. You're okay. usually the one interviewing, but I want to interview you. All right. So uh, a couple questions for you. So we're all here gathered tonight to celebrate Side Hustle Pro, to celebrate you. <laughs> celebrate this podcast. So I, I want to know, how does it feel? So this right here feels surreal. I don't know if you guys saw this week I posted on Instagram and Facebook just talking about how five years ago this month, I was actually crying on a bathroom floor because I got a big fat no from a job that I thought was gonna be it for me. I thought I was gonna get the offer between my first and second year and I ended up you know, graduating from my MBA program without a job, feeling super dejected, not knowing what was next, Never could have imagined that this was what was, happen was going to happen five years down the line. When I talk about never could have imagined, like, this is crazy to me. So I just want to thank each and every one of you who listen, each and every one of you who came out tonight. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. And that just reminds me. So, <laughs> Nikayla doesn't like when I share this, but I'm going to share it anyway with him, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> when the show started three years ago... We, we were, it was actually starting on the night of my birthday. We we're going to go out for my birthday. And before we went out, she was supposed to put it live so everybody could hear it in the morning. And she said to me, you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't do this. I don't know if anybody would want to listen, right? <laughs> so isn't that funny, just knowing where the show is going today? So I just say that to say, for anybody who might be thinking that way, just keep that in mind. So coming from those beginnings, what have you learned over the past three years of Side Hustle Pro? So first of all, um, based on Moyo's story, I clearly learned like, to push through. At that moment when you feel like, I shouldn't do this, it's going to be whack, no one's going to buy this, no one's going to listen to this, that's that moment when you should push through. That's the moment when you have to do it because I truly believe that God puts a vision and a purpose on all of our lives and we get those signs and glimpses. But, you know, we don't get the full picture all at once. But when you see those signs, when you feel yourself coming alive, make note of that because those little signs are going to add up to something down the line. Get started when you can't see where it's going to lead you because if you just keep going, something will start to make sense. Something will click. And I've also really had to learn to push past my fear. Y'all, if you listen, you know I'm an introvert. I like my bed. I like my home. Um, <laughs> some of you told me, I know your voice. I never you know, knew, knew your face. That's because you know, it's, it's easy for me to podcast or be on social media in my house by myself. But to come out here and put myself on stage is a huge leap outside of my comfort zone. And Raina, who's my event producer tonight, can tell you that there are many times when I've said, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> But being here tonight and feeling this energy has definitely told me that um, I'm doing the right thing. So pushing outside of your comfort zone is a must. I know that's right. You look amazing, by the way. Oh, thank you, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> cool. 
Shout out to So Natural. Shout out to Tony, yes, my makeup yes, artist. Yes, yes, And I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, shout out to them. Shout out to them. Um, and I'm so proud of you. So my last question, what is it that you want the guests to take away from tonight, everybody in the house? All right, y'all. So tonight, you know, going into this, I knew I wanted to do a live show, and I knew when I really took time to think about who the guest should be, I just came to Maya because it all clicked for me. Maya is the person who helped me to get back into understanding my personal brand. It was because of her that I launched my blog, which eventually turned into a podcast. So it's like a full circle moment to have her here. But I didn't necessarily have a theme fleshed out until last night, actually. And tonight we're gonna talk about how to play big and get these coins, sis, all right? So y'all ready for that? Y'all ready? All right. <laughs> so that's the key takeaway. <laughs> so I want to thank you to my husband, to my rock, my biggest supporter, for being here tonight to kick off the show and for always holding me down, helping me push past my doubts, um, including doing this show. <laughs> thank you, boo. So I want to introduce our guests. And coming to the stage is Maya Elias. For those who don't know her, she is a personal branding strategist. She will help you get your life together. She's helped me get my life together. And she teaches women how to master their message, package their expertise, and create a premium offer. Remember, we're playing big here, so a premium offer. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, so I first came across Maya when I graduated from business school with no job at all, moving back home with Moyo. He was just my boyfriend at the time. And you know, no one wants to move in with your boyfriend with no job. Um, so I was like, I need to get my life together. And I started looking up personal branding. I started looking up online marketing because as I was searching for a job, I said, who is Nikayla? What's the brand of me? What are employers even going to see when they look for me? So that's how I came across Maya. And I was so impressed with this woman. First of all, she was younger than me. She was out here making money on the internet legitimately. And <laughs> um, she was sharing her income reports. That's how I knew she was making money legitimately. And not only that, she was just really smart. Like, on her website, if you go to it now, she'll tell you, I, you know, got this online marketing thing on lock. And she really does. You know how everyone has a gift? That is her gift. So I came across her, I bought one of her programs, and I started to learn how to do my blog, but not just a blog to like write about my weekends and my hobbies, a blog to create the brand of Nikayla. And so today I wanna bring her to the stage and I wanna help you guys understand because her life's mission is to help women with a vision like all of us make an impact in their industry and monetize their gifts. So we're gonna talk about how to play big and get these coins and keep these coins. So please join me in welcoming Maya Elias to the stage. Thank you. So just so you guys know, we did not plan this. Um, <laughs> these are Side Hustle Pro colors. Thank you, Maya, for supporting. I got you. I mean. <laughs> so we're going to kick it off. I want to know, now you, by this time, you've helped hundreds of women to clarify their message and to create an impact. But it, it didn't start like this. So you started out making MySpace pages for like, what was it, $50 or something like that. Yep. You graduated to being a, a graphic designer and then ultimately you now coach women in how to monetize their gifts. So how did that evolution happen? 
I cannot believe that I started out doing MySpace pages. And it's funny because I heard her when she was talking about how I help uh, people now create a premium offer. $50 was the premium offer, okay? I started at 35, like, I was 18 when I started, and I just thought, like, I was killing it. At 18, I didn't have no bills. My dad was still paying my bills. I still lived at home. So people paying me $50 here and there, I just knew I was it, okay? Um, so it's, it's really amazing to see how much I've grown. I love even looking back at my own story and just being like, wow, I can't believe I've made it this far. So I think the commitment to keep going is, is what has gotten me here now because I've learned so much through trial and error and Google and YouTube. Um, <laughs> I learned so much from that because I, I did eventually end, um, end up dropping out of college. I transitioned from MySpace design and club flyer design to doing websites. Um, for those of you who have never heard my story, I started telling people I was a web designer even though I really wasn't. But I was like, oh, if I can code a MySpace page, then I can make a website. So. Then somebody paid me to make a website, so I went on YouTube and I was like, yo, how do I make a website? <laughs> um, <laughs> so honestly, just believing in myself, I had this crazy, bold um, faith and confidence within myself, and I honestly say that I, I really had an advantage starting out so young. I was 18, it was 2008 when I was doing this, and there wasn't as much noise and competition as there is today. So I never felt like, oh, I can't do it because everybody else is doing it. It was just kind of like, wow, people are going to give me money to do what I love. Let me just keep doing this. So just learning, Googling, YouTubing, um, loving to be educated in my topic, that's I definitely what got me here. Now, most of us, myself included, um, we do something that, you know, you have kind of um, moved past. And I want to touch on that. So I want to talk about the mindset. When we start out side hustling and we start making a little money, we're like, oh, this is good. This can cover my grocery bills. Oh, okay, uh, this can cover a trip to Miami, um, and so forth and so forth. And then I think we limit ourselves and we kind of reach a plateau where we don't visualize a bigger picture. We keep ourselves stuck in the mindset that I'm going to continue doing this out of my house. You know? But what if you visualize starting your own storefront or visualize being in a, a national retailer or beyond that, visualize impacting hundreds of thousands of people with your message and not just your 10 clients? So how did you go from thinking small to playing big? That's such a great question. I definitely would say your environment um, because even when I hang around people that believe in bigger, they believe in themselves, they're always doing bigger things themselves, it encourages me to do so. It's like you want to hang out in environments where thinking big is the norm. And if you're in environments where you look like the crazy person, you're going to start thinking that you're a crazy person. <laughs> you know, so I definitely, I definitely feel like I've been so fortunate, so blessed to um, have circles and relationships with people who think bigger than me sometimes because I'm like, wait a minute, I'm the one that's playing small. You know, sometimes I want to be the person, they say be the, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. Sometimes I'm the person that's, that's thinking the smallest and I'm like, okay, I need to step my game up. So definitely your environment. And guess what? When you start your business, it's not going to be your homegirl that you've been rocking with for the past 10 years that's going to help you level up. It might not be. It's not going to be your parents. It might not be your spouse. So you're going to have to find that circle of people, um, 
um, specifically for where you're trying to go. Yeah, and it's a gradual process, right? Like you started out charging your 35, your $30. First of all, how did you know how much to charge as you started going up in rates? <laughs> Girl, I just be putting prices on a site and I'm like, if one person could pay it, somebody else is going to pay it. That's my pricing method. <laughs> and when did you know when to raise your prices? Because, okay, something we have to touch on is not everybody should be raising their prices, right? <laughs> we can't just go out there and say so-and-so charges this, so I'm going to charge this. You know, case in point, my own podcast, uh, Accelerator, you know, there are a lot of people who tell me, oh, it, 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 you know, it could cost so much more. I kept the price for over a year and a half because I was more focused on making the program what I wanted to be on. Uh, shout out to my podcast moguls. Who's in the room for podcast moguls? Woo! So I'm more focused on getting the impact and the results than a quick you know, price hike just because I can, just because that's what other people are charging. Mm -hmm. So what's your approach to knowing when it's the right time? Right. So I, I think there's a couple approaches. Like when I first started, my approach was it's not even worth the energy anymore. Like I'm not even excited for this $35. I'm not excited for the 75 or this 125 or this 500. So a couple things like I used to charge a la carte prices because I started out as a designer, right? So if you're in a service-based industry where you provide uh, graphics or you provide photography or you provide videos or anything like that, there's going to be a time where you're like, I'm not going to do this work for $100. Um, not because you think the work is beneath you, but you're like, there's a minimum number that I'm willing to accept, right? So I got to a point where I was like, okay, I want $500 to be the minimum number that I accept. So I'm like, what do I want to put in this package to be worth $500? So when you're raising your prices, it doesn't have to necessarily be like one service goes from 50 to 500. It could just be like, I'm only offering packages. So that's one way that I raised my prices. Um, and then another thing was... Um, I, when I would raise my prices, I knew that I could back it up. Like I knew that I could articulate the value. So if anybody ever tried to question why they were paying that, I could easily back it up. It wasn't just like, well, the market says, like <laughs> nobody cares what the market says. Can you back up the value or not? Right. So those are the two things that I think about. Okay. And speaking of playing big, another thing that I consistently hear on the internet, y'all don't let the internet rush you, okay? Do not let Instagram rush you. But here's what Instagram has tried to make me do this year. So <laughs> everyone keeps telling me I need to hire, I need to get a staff because I am the bottleneck. I'm slowing down my business because I'm doing things that, you know, I can hire other people for, yada, yada, yada. And I do... I do believe that I do have to have a team, right? And I'm working on that. But I think there's some guilt associated sometimes with not hiring and not having a full team. But you know what? A team starts with one. You got to get that one team member and master that. Master the, you know, communication to them about what you need, your training. Learning to train someone is hard, right? Because you're so used to doing it yourself. So what has been your approach to scaling up your team without beating yourself up if it's not fast enough? What have been some, some like, you know, pitfalls, some wins? <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was, like, first trying to grow my team, and every, well, I won't say everybody, but it's like, you try to start out with interns because it's like, I need help, but I ain't got no money. Um, so I was like, okay, let me start out with interns who needs a credit. And I was like, you just didn't even know what to delegate. It was just kind of like, yeah, I need this team, but I don't even know how to be a boss. Like, you really don't know how to be a boss until you know how to run a team. So the first thing that you want to figure out is, like, what do I do every single day? You need a clear 
clear process and a clear system to be able to delegate. Because even if you're not delegating to human, you're delegating to a software, that software needs to know, it needs to know what to do. It needs to have a very clear system. So I definitely got really, really clear on my systems and my business. So that way, when either if I did the work, I could do it most efficiently, or if I brought somebody on, they could do it most efficiently. Because it's like, if I'm paying somebody hourly, it's like they have to get it done in a streamlined fashion. And they can't get it done in a streamlined fashion if every 30 minutes they have to say, what's next, what's next, what's next. So before you hire, what you want to do is document what you're doing every single day. That's not a revenue generating task um, that only you can do. You want it to be a task that, you know, so anybody could literally do and you want to make sure that it's streamlined so you're not wasting your time or your money. So I want to transition a little bit to talking about what Maya does best, which is getting clarity and mastering our message. But before I do, I just want to do a quick show of hands. I want to see how people are feeling in the room. So how many of you raise your hands if you feel that you are clear on your message and you know what sets your brand apart? Raise your hand if you know that. All right, I see about... <laughs> and no, those hands are coming up real slow. You don't get credit for the slow hand. <laughs> no, ma'am. That is, not, that is not clarity. But it's okay. It's okay. So that's why Maya's here. So, Maya, you, um, you always, always emphasize that we are born to use our voices to make an impact. So why do you think so many of us are afraid to put our voices in our brand? I think that oftentimes um, we devalue our stories. We don't think our story is enough. And so we always want to put the stock photo out there. We want to put the logo out there. We want to put the colors out there. And it's like, we want to see your face and we want to hear your voice. But a lot of people are just, they just don't think they are enough. And so that's why they don't use their voice. That is deep. I wasn't expecting that, <laughs> Maya. But you know, it's so true because I was reminded of that this week when, and sometimes you might even think like, oh, everybody knows my story, but people are joining in to your story at different points. Case in point, this week when I posted again about, you know, the story of me not getting the Google job. And y'all, I'm tired of telling this story. Like, first of all, I'm not trying to give Google all those props, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm not still thinking about them. Um, but, but... <laughs> It's a reminder to people of where I've come from. And there's so many people who, I don't know, they didn't know that story. Not everybody is stalking your life. So you have to keep reminding people so that they know. They know what inspired you to start this business. They know what sets your body, body, butter apart, you know, what sets your service apart from someone else providing the same service. So now that we know why we are hesitant to use our voices, can you talk a little bit more about what content marketing actually is and how to use it effectively? So content marketing is just a way to market yourself, your products or your services through content. And I really think, you know, really good content is just a conversation between you and a potential buyer. And the best conversations are through ways that we can connect with people. And the easiest way to connect with people is through storytelling. So if you're struggling to use content to build your brand and struggling to use content to drive traffic to your page or drive traffic to your offers, you need to learn how to comfortably tell your story and find a connection point between you and your audience. And the more you put out content, the more you ask them questions, the more you view it as a conversation, 
that's how you build relationship. Relationship is so important, you know, whether it's collaborations like this or it's building a relationship between you and the people that are going to be buying from you. So always just consider yourself building a relationship because I think, you know, when we use terms like funnels and marketing and strategy, we're like, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing. But I mean, really good sales and marketing, it's just the best people that can sell are the people that just know how to make a great connection, right? So if you can just figure out how do I make a connection between me and the people that I want to help the most, you're going to be great at content marketing. How do I use something like email to attract a customer and keep them coming back? So we'll use email as the example. You definitely want to be consistent with it. So when people are building their newsletter, they're like, oh, I'll just send out a monthly newsletter, right? People are like, I don't want to annoy, you know, the people on my list, but those people opted in specifically to hear from you. Like imagine if somebody you cared about only called you once a month or only text you once a month. You don't, you can't build a relationship off of that. So you want to send out Pops back in every six months. Right. You pop back in every six months only when you want something, right? Those are the worst relationships. So you can't be the person that's only sending out an email when you know you're about to sell something. That's, that's the absolute worst. People are going to unsubscribe from that. So you want to be frequent in your communication. You want to be genuine. You want to let them know what you're up to, the new products that you came out with, why that new product is important to you. Tell a story about it. Tell a story about how it can help them. So whether it's email, social media, blog posts, podcasts, you want to do it consistently as if you're trying to build a relationship. I'll never forget, I went to a conference and um, Arsha Jones said this. Arsha, you in the house? I think you're here, right? So there you are. Woo! I'll hey never girl. forget, you told me, you know, when you send an email and you see all those unsubscribes, you're like, bye, I didn't want to pay for you anyway. If you don't want to be here, right. I don't want you here. Right, And right. so... <laughs> That's another hurdle we have to get over when we do content marketing. We have to understand that unsubscribes come with the territory. And you you just got to let those people go and know the people who want to rock with you are sticking around. Right. I don't even look at unsubscribes anymore. I'm just like, I'm sending out these. ConvertKit just shows me. I'm like, I don't don't, don't care. I didn't need to see this. I didn't need to know that. But yeah, I agree with Arsha. It's like, they weren't going to buy anyway. And you're literally paying for people to be on your email list. So yeah. So what are some steps to clarify our brand messages? She's asking me these tough questions. I'm like, these are like real coarse questions. I'm like, um, some steps to clarifying your message. Step one. (laughs) Okay, so the first thing you want to understand your story. What's the purpose behind what you're doing, what you're selling? You want to know your story. You want to know yourself. Second thing is you want to know who your audience is, who you're going to be selling to. You got to be very real about this because when I started, I was like, yeah, my audience is corporate. You know, it's um, uh, white men between the ages. It's like, girl, no, it's not. Because if you look at your PayPal, it's black women paying you in their 20s and 30s. So let's be real. But I was like, yeah, white men have money. So that's who my audience is. And I was like... (laughs) But black women have money too, okay? <laughs> so you want to know who you are, the purpose of what you're doing. You want to know who you want to impact, um, and I think that's really the really the way to think of it. Like, not who has money, who do I want to impact? Because there's always going to be that group of people that will have money for you if you know how to position yourself well. Um, those are the two things to clarifying your message. How do I want like? Who am I? Why am I doing this? Who do I want to impact? And how am I going to impact them? What's that step-by-step process? That's how you're going to get your message. 
together. You just just reminded me of something. So, um, and yeah, I'm I'm just throwing you these hard hard balls, but we're going to get through it together (laughs) because sometimes as we are growing and getting to know who we are and what we can do, right? We take programs and we start thinking, well, maybe I'll do this or maybe I'll do that. And how can you help someone who is losing the sense of what their core gift really is and are just latching on to one, what's working in the moment, oh, you know, T-shirts are selling, let me do a T-shirt company versus what their true gift is? Mm -hmm. Great question, because I think it's so easy to get lost in the sauce out here with all of the courses and stuff. And I love a good course, love a good program, but I have seen many times people will go in a program and then they'll leave the program selling the thing that they just came from the program from. Um, and so I always go back to receipts. Like, let's talk about your story. How, how have you used this thing that you're trying to teach to transform your life? And how have you used this information to transform somebody else's life? And I always go back to that because a lot of people copy or a lot of people are confused out here because they're not confident in their story. So, you know, I've, I've heard recently that like one of the things that I'm good at is helping black women see their value. And I'm like, let's get to the value of your story because you don't see it, but I see it. Once you really believe that you're valuable and what your actual gifts are, you will put that at the forefront of what you do instead of trying to put other things out there that make you seem valuable. So many of us discount things that we've been through, things that we've even learned on jobs, and we forget that all of those things add up to making us valuable and knowledgeable. So don't discount your experiences, what you've learned throughout the years. Like You really know a lot and share that with people and also share your shortcomings. Um, first of all, it's a lot of pressure to, be, to go out there and try to be perfect. But if you're like, you know what, guys like me, um, I haven't hired a full team and you know I'm learning and I'll share with you as I learn and as I grow. But still, shout out to Portia, my social media manager. Portia, where are you at? <laughs> Thank you for holding me down, girl. There she is. Thank you. Um, One step at a time. Share those shortcomings because that inspires other people. As a matter of fact, that was one of the reasons I was attracted to you, Mike, because she was like, hey, I dropped out of college. And I'm like, whoa, here I am getting all this education and still not confident in myself. Mm. What? Mm. So you, you really shook me up. Thanks. You really shook me up. Thank you. I want to say another quick thing, like regarding experience. I think a lot of people, the reason they also don't really value their experiences is because they think it's so obvious to them. Like what they think comes naturally. They're like, nobody would pay for that. Like there's people out there that are like great at cooking. I'm like, if you don't come out with this cooking class, I can buy it because I can tell you how to build a six figure brand, but... I can make grilled cheese sandwiches and that's about the extent of my cooking. So there's value in literally anything. A lot of people feel like value is only in helping people make money and that is not true. So I don't want you guys to feel like the only way you can be valuable is if it's something that's not obvious or if it's something that's helping somebody else make money. Speaking of money, let's let's talk about getting these coins and keeping these coins. Okay. Let's so do it. Maya, I'm so proud of you because I have seen yeah. a huge shift. You know, I've been following her for at least five years now. And I've seen a shift in you going from, okay, I'm a blogger, here's my income reports, it's cool. I'm not the you know, biggest spender, but I'm also not the biggest saver. I don't have any particular saving goals in mind to I have investment accounts. Y'all, I saved $30,000 in the last two months on Twitter, tweeting about this, not to brag, but to inspire people, and then purchasing your first home and walking people through that process on your IG stories. What helps you with that transformation and your, your change in approach to how you view 
income and how you view saving? Mm, that's such a great, a great question. I think this goes back to environment and uh, being around the right people that help you think big because it was a conversation that I had with my leak. So I went over to her house for lunch one day. That's and she, my leak tale of Curlbox. My leak tale. Ooh, ooh. So my taught you, my taught Maya. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, she and I were having a conversation. She was like, so what do you need help with? And she was like, what's it like, you know, being young and making good money? And I'm like, it's cool making money, but what's the end game? Because month after month, Maya still got to make money for that month. And so she was just like, and I, and I was telling her, like, I want to know how to get my money to work for me and make money for me. So she was telling me a little bit about investment accounts. I didn't have any, like, understanding of how it worked because I had never really worked a corporate job. I dropped out of college. So I was like, I'm Googling my way to figure out all of this stuff. Um, I didn't even understand how investment accounts worked, how retirement accounts uh, worked. And so she was just explaining those things to me. And she was like, this is how much you can save. This is how much money I had saved when I did this. You know, you should try to save this much by this time frame. Having those conversations, being in the right environment changes everything. And when I find myself in those environments, I learn quickly. I take that information. I, I had... Um, lunch with her in January at the beginning of the year and I had saved all that money by like June or July and then bought my house in August. Mm-hmm. Massive action. <laughs> Fast action. And I'm also, I'm a believer in just-in-time learning. So when you, you see all these courses that you're attracted to, oh, I want to learn how to do this and that, what helps me to narrow it down is what am I going to do next? What am I actually going to do next? And that is the course that I purchased. And then I do all of the modules, and I immediately create what the course is teaching. I don't sit on it. So you got to take that immediate action. Immediate action. That's the name of the game. Immediate. So we're going to get into your business a little bit more. But first, I want to read this tweet. I saw this tweet this week from Karen Civil, and she said, things they don't tell you that you have to worry about as an entrepreneur. Finding enough documents for proof of income when it comes to finding housing, (laughs) filing your taxes, and saving all expense receipts creating your own 401k, and saving for the slow months. So what are your thoughts on that? What has been your experience with that? Like, you know, being able to buy a house as an entrepreneur, how did that happen? Yeah, so I'm, I'm really fortunate because at the end of last year, I was just like, oh, I want to increase my credit score. And I was making the most money consistently in my business that I had towards maybe like November, December, January. And I'm I want to increase my credit score. And I didn't know what was going on with my credit score. Like, couldn't go past like 648. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. So I hired my friend, Kenny Conwell, and his team, uh, they removed some derogatory marks from my credit. I had three on there from like hospital bills or something like that from years ago. So they got rid of it and my score shot up maybe like 60 to 80 points or something like that within a couple of weeks. So I'm just like, cool, I have a great credit score. It wasn't even in my mind to purchase a home at the time. Like it really in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to be bougie. I'm going to live in high rises my entire life. I'm going to travel all of that. And then I had planned a trip for Bali and I was like, wow, I'm about to be out of the country for two weeks and paying a whole month of rent. I don't want to do this. So I'm like, let me just buy a house. And I was really fortunate that... <laughs> <laughs> let me just buy a house. <laughs> to be honest, it really kind of was like that. I moved very quickly. 
I moved very quickly, but the reason I could move so quickly through that process was because I just wanted to fix my credit score. I just wanted to save money after that conversation from my league. My accountant had been on my tail for years to just get my stuff in order, and thank God I've had her since 2014. I was 24, and she's just telling me, this is what you need to do. You need to do the S-Corp. You need to... She's just great with it, because when it comes to taxes, I don't understand it that well. So fortunately, she's had my back with that, again, having the right support. So by the time it came to me wanting to buy the house, it was July when I was like, I'm going to just buy a house. I left for Bali like two weeks into the month of July. I found my house, I think, maybe six days before I went to Bali. I put in an offer above asking so I could beat out the competitors and um, they accepted my offer and I'm filling out all this paperwork when I'm in Bali and I signed the day that I got back. And it's because of all of this preparation beforehand that I was able to do these things. So what was your business structure looking like when you were a side hustler? Not even just you know your incorporation, like what type of business you had, but how you approach making money then versus now. Mm-hmm. Again, girl, I did not understand taxes. So let me tell you, when the IRS told them that I owed them money, I was like, wait, hold on, I don't understand. <laughs> I didn't get it because I never had the nine to five to like conceptualize, oh, when I make money, taxes come out. It was just kind of like, I make money. This is really fun. And then at the end of every tax year, it was like the first year, was, it was only like $2,000. And then I was like, it, that was a lot to me still then because I think I was like 22, 23. And I was like, I don't have twenty or $2,000 sitting around. Um, I think I'm literally just now about to pay that now. They like finally just sent me the bill again. <laughs> that could be the credit score. Uh, <laughs> right, exactly. Follow me on credit score advice, but not on taxes advice. Um, and then year after year, I kept owing 10000 because my accountant was like, you need to pay your quarterly. And I was like, I'm not giving these people my money. <laughs> So, yeah, so because, (laughs) so I was an LLC for up until 2018 and she was like, okay, let's fix a way so you can stop owing so much every year because you're so slow in paying them back. I would just, if you're giving them a little bit here and there, they're going to leave you alone. So I'm like, here, girl, you can have the $75. What you're not going to get is this lump sum. So... I have a house to buy. I don't have time to pay the IRS right now. So So we eventually switched me to S-Corp, which means I'm an employee of my company, which quickly I learned about personal budgeting and actually getting paid by an employer, which was me. And I was like, oh my gosh, my employer barely pays me any money. And oh my gosh, when that direct deposit hit, yo, them taxes came out. I was like, what is this? I paid myself 2000 I only got 1500 <laughs> I was hurt. But now I'm learning more. But when I only ended up having to pay like $2,000 in taxes versus like the ten dollars to $12,000, I was like, okay, I can do this. When I saw that 2000 I paid it so quick because I was like, let me make sure they didn't make any mistakes. They can't say nothing if I pay it quick. So I went from... <laughs> I, I'm on I'm on the verge of that transition myself. So I'm an LLC, and I just be putting money away because I'm scared of Uncle Sam. And every you know, like last year was my first real tax year as an entrepreneur. So they got that lump sum, and it was painful. I was like, wait a second, I was saved, but it was still like, you know, you trick yourself into I have so much saved. No, I don't. That's right. tax money. That's tax money, and they surely took it all. So. That, that's a transition I can say, you know, that I'm also about to go through as well. So I, I can 
really benefit from that information. So now, I want to go back to the master and the message. Why is it so important to clarify your message if you want to earn money? Yeah, it's so important to clarify your message because you want to make sure that you're speaking to people that will actually pay you money, right? So the message that I would have for black women in their 30s who like watching Power or who like watching Blackish is not going to be the same message for those white men that I swore were, you know, my dream clients, right? They're just not going to get me. Like that audience is not going to get me. But when you try to speak to too many groups of people or you're trying to say one group is is the one that you want, but you're really speaking to another, you're going to create confusion. So if you want a very clear and specific group of people to pay you for a very clear and specific offer at a specific price point, you need to know how to speak that language. What's been your experience with creating digital products, aka things like courses or e-guides and books that people pay for um, versus consulting um, you know, one-on-one with clients about personal branding to now creating an entire weekend-wide impact event to help hundreds of women at once. Yeah, it's definitely been a journey. I've launched so many things over the years, the eBooks, the challenges, the courses and all of that. And I think it works differently for every group because again, it depends on your audience and your topic. Um, but I've I've learned that uh, doing high-end stuff has, is what's made the biggest impact for me and for my audience because they show up differently at a certain price point. Like when I was offering the $27 things, the $97 things, it was like it kept them busy. It didn't give them results, right? It was like the little small results, but it was like I always want to create the highest level of impact. And so being able to do my impact weekend, being able to do my group programs, being able to do one-on-one, that's where I noticed the highest level of impact. The more people paid me, the more they got results. And that was just the trend that was in my business. So that's why I kept it like that. How can you help you know, product-based businesses who want to have that kind of transition themselves from going from something that is um, a certain price point? And it's not like you can you know, raise a candle to be, I mean, I guess you could, you know, Nest Candles cost, I don't even know how much, but how do you as a product-based business start to think of packaging yourself as premium? You know, going again from that small thinking to plain big. Mm, That's a good question. So the way you do the product game is definitely going to be different than the service game because with services, I mean, with products, you are talking about value too, but with service, you're talking about like an intangible value. And with products, the value is going to be how long it lasts or, you know, whatever your audience finds valuable, um, how it smells, how it's made and all of that. So when you're selling something that's a little bit lower priced, and to me, lower priced is like $100 and under, you're really going to be playing the game of volume. So again, you have to know how to connect with people, build a community, get people excited about your brand. Would you say that that's the time when you should be thinking about, like that's the kind of business that should be thinking about building out a team more quickly? Because you can't, there's only so much you can do as a team of one versus a team of some to do volume with a business. That's a good question. I don't think you need to do it immediately because where you can create value is in the scarcity. So it's like the first 100 products are, you know, whenever we get rid of the first the first 100, you're going to have to wait until our next launch. So I think doing that method for a while is going to uh, create a lot of value. 
And here's when I also want to shout out all of the Side Hustle Pro guests that are in the audience. Can you all just stand real quick? I just want to say thank you. I see you guys, so I don't know why you're sitting, acting like I can see you from here. The lights are on me. I want to shout out Jerry, Angel, Arsha. Um, <laughs> I saw everybody who came, Dominique. Ah, I can't see you. Oh, my God. But everybody, everybody who's here, every single one of you, you, the reason I was so attracted to you guys is your story. It's everything that we were talking about today, you know, and the fact that I was attracted to, first of all, learning how you overcame obstacles and how you um, are taking something that still has challenges. For example, Jerry, as I was preparing for the show yesterday, I stopped by Turning Natural Southeast and, you know, I, I could still see what we were talking about. The, the challenges of building something that's so important to our community, but in an area where we're so used to things that aren't good for us, right? And so you are doing such important work, and that is what stands out to me, these stories. So no matter what type of business you have, product, service, I really hope that if there's one thing you take away tonight, is that we need to know your why, and your why equals your story. So now I want to get into the lightning round, which is sponsored by Verizon. Shout out to Verizon. Thank you so, so much for supporting black women entrepreneurs. And you know the deal, you just answered the very first thing that comes to mind. Since Maya has been here before, we switched it up a little bit. So I hope it doesn't take you too much for a loop, but let's go. Right, I'm All nervous. Right. So number one, what was the most clutch lesson you learned in 2019? To save my money. <laughs> Who is the most unexpected person that you've learned from? These are so hard. I'm nervous. Um, wait, let's come back to that. I okay, okay, okay. <laughs> See, these are hard. I know. What is a non-negotiable part of your day? Nap time. <laughs> Story time. So I went on um, a retreat called the My Taught You Retreat, and Maya was my roommate. I would come back from, a, from sessions and find this girl napping, just napping all the time. It was only a three-day retreat. <laughs> so she takes nap time very seriously. I do. Um, so what has been one of the best business books that you've read that has really helped you in your business? Ooh. So every time I get this question, it's usually not a business book that I've read that's made a transformation. It's a mindset book. And I really believe that in order for us to succeed, it always starts with mindset. Like we could have the absolute best business strategies, but if we don't have confidence that that strategy can work for us, it really doesn't matter if we have the best strategy. Um, so I have to say two books. So the first book is The Power of Focus. And if you guys follow me, you've seen me talking about that. I'm rereading it now. That just helped me focus on everything. It just got me together. So The Power of Focus um, by Les Hewitt, Jack Canfield. There's three, there's three authors. And Atomic Habits by James Clear. Like, that is such a great book. It just helps oh, you right, see, like, down. the little things that you do every day that can change your life. <laughs> okay, we're coming back to who is the most unexpected person? What's the most unexpected place? I'll add some, some more context. Okay. That you've learned from. I was trying to drag on my answer for the last one. I'm like, okay, we're out of time. <laughs> um, most unexpected place, maybe Bali. Bali was amazing. And I found me a little Bali boyfriend for like a couple months. And it was great. So, <laughs> so all righty. Now, what is your parting advice 
for black women entrepreneurs, this audience who want to be their own boss one day but are worried about losing that steady paycheck and paying taxes? (laughs) (laughs) One, don't take tax advice from Maya Elias (laughs) or non-tax professionals and be clear on your values so you can really get paid what you're worth. Because these quotes about like, get paid what you're worth and add tax, they're cute, but if you really cannot articulate your value, you don't believe in your value, you're not gonna be able to ask for what you want. All right, all right. So guys, now it's gonna, ta- gonna be time for Q&A. This is also sponsored by Verizon. Shout out to Verizon. So the way it's going to work, we have microphones. We have Angela over here with the microphone. So you just come on down. If you have a question, now is your time. We have some special treats. Don't just come down for the special treats though, um, for those who ask questions. And here's how it's gonna work. So remember to keep it brief, say who you are, ask a question, no elevator pitch. Who's going to be first? All right, I see some people, some folks coming on down. Come on down. Hi, everyone. My name is Aaliyah. I'm one of the vendors outside. Oh, I'm the owner treats. of Body Treats. So, <laughs> um, so my question is, my business is about to hit year three. Mm-hmm. What tips would you give a small business owner like me who sells product to scale? So I'm going to start with, um, because we've spoken, Aaliyah, and I know, you know, more of your story. You guys check out the Body Treats episode of Side Hustle Pro. But, you know, you're in, a, you're in a space where you have been doing it all on your own, you know, kind of like we talked about in the beginning of tonight's conversation. And now you're in a space where you have to bite the bullet and start hiring help. Start figuring out, do, do, you know, what's going to be my warehouse? Where's, where's this going to be made? How can I get this out of my kitchen and into a place where we can produce that volume? Hello, I'm Brittany and um, blogger, aspiring motivational speaker. I guess my question is, you guys have such great confidence and I battle a lot with validation. Um, um, I think I, I chatted a little bit um, about this at the retreat with some of the, my talk to your retreat goers, hey! But anyway, um, how did you overcome validation in growing your businesses um, and what you currently do? Um, it, it seems to be one of the, like, the thorns in my side. Um, I don't like checking numbers. I don't like feeling like, um, like I recently started a podcast and I'm constantly looking at views and I'm like, I shouldn't care. It's the content's for me. I just want to put it out. So validation is like huge for me. How do you overcome that? So I was just going to say, first and foremost, like get rid of the aspiring, like who are you and speak to that because you'll start to see more results when you just show up as that person. Like, yes, I am a speaker. Yes, I am a coach. Yes, I am an expert. And people are going to be intrigued by that. Oh, great. What do you speak about? I'd love to have you at this conference. Or you would pitch yourself more if you actually believed that you were a speaker, right? So I just really want you to believe that you all, you already are that person. And I'll just add to that, I struggled with this at first too, um, especially coming out of grad school and not getting the job at Google. Like I was so, I was coming from a place where all anybody talked about was validation. Like who you were, your value was on what company you got hired by. And I didn't have that. Everyone else could say, oh, where are you going, you know, when you graduate? And I didn't have, I had zero things to brag about. And then not only that, but even now as an entrepreneur, I had to get used to getting blank stares when I describe what I do. I have a podcast. What? Like, 
what networking event are you going to and people are like, understand what that is? And I had to get used to being able to put a period after that and not feeling the need to explain and provide context. I have two million downloads, blah, 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 blah. Stop. I find a validation now in myself because when all that was stripped away, and I really think that was God stripping all that away to show me that I didn't need that. I didn't need other people's validation. That said, what you're describing with like podcast downloads and views, so that's not necessarily validation. That is making sure that you are reaching who you're supposed to be reaching. So for example, if you've launched a product or a service and not enough people are taking advantage of that. If you have something that is valuable to other people and they don't know about it, that means that we have to help you clarify your message and we have to help you find your audience because that means they're not finding you. They don't know you're out there and that's what we want. So it's not so much validation. It's that you have to make sure that the people you're going to impact are, are aware that you're out there. Okay, so I can speak to that because, so are you saying like as you reach new milestones, it's actually making you fearful? Okay, so I mean, that's my life every day. That's my life doing this show. Like, you know, there are things that seem really exciting. For example, being on the Today Show. When I tell you, first of all, when the Today Show called, I didn't tell anybody, not even Moyo. I did not tell anybody. I didn't believe it was real and I was terrified. And then when I finally told him, he was like, this is exciting. I'm like, it is? <laughs> because that meant a fear of just all sorts of irrational things that come into your mind. So what I'm learning to do is, and it's an it's a ongoing process, but what I'm learning to do is to think back to all the times when I push past fear and how grateful I am being on the other side of that, how, what a wonderful experience it was because I pushed past that and remind myself that I'm going to have the same exact feeling when I do this new thing that's, that's causing me fear. Yeah, I agree with Michaela as far as like, it is an everyday thing. Like sometimes I do things, I'm like, okay, who do I think I am trying to invite 100 people to Atlanta and charging them $1,000? But then when, when people act on it or people start buying, I'm like, okay, I guess I kind of am doing this. And again, for me, it always comes back to relationships and environments because sometimes I can't pull on my own confidence because I'm nervous. So I look to my circle and I'm like, yo, I'm really about to do this. And then I have friends that are like, of course you're about to do it. You're Maya Elias. Why would you not do it? So you need to have people that like that are just excited for you. Like It's so important to, to build that support system. Like It does not have to be lonely at the top. You can have people where you're just like, hey, I'm a little bit nervous. Can you just give me an encouraging word? Like right before we came out here, she's like, oh my God, let's just pray really quickly. And I'm like, okay, Jesus, help us. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> So just have that support system, have that connection with God where you can even just pull on him and be like, I'm nervous, but I really just need you here with me right now. Like, let me do this, but do not allow fear to paralyze you. And, and really quickly, I, I know there's a lot of people that have questions, but another thing that we have with fear is a lot of it is ego driven. We're scared because we're worried about what other people are going to think of us. And we forget about the people that we are here to impact. We all of a sudden forget about the people that we're meant to impact when we start thinking about the people that aren't putting money in our pockets, that are not supporting us, that aren't doing anything with their lives. And we have this fear based on what they're going to say rather than the encouragement of who can I impact if I decide to move forward. I saw a quote this, um, this year on Instagram. I don't know who it's by. It was on Instagram. And it said, often people who can do, don't do because of the opinions of people who can't do. 
So I keep that in my mind. All right, well, guys, can you give me, join me in giving Maya a hand for being here with us tonight? <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I just want to thank all of you guys for listening, for coming out tonight for the first ever live podcast show. I want to thank Verizon again for sponsoring tonight, all of the vendors. Huge shout out to the merch studio for sponsoring the meet and greet gift bags and for providing the mini Side Hustle Pro pens and the notebooks and all that good stuff. Huge, huge thanks to Raina Campbell of Dreams and Drive. Come on one more time. Um, this show would not have been possible without Raina getting me to come out of my head. <laughs> come out of my comfort zone, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I want to thank all my family and friends for being here, for being staff and volunteers. I really, really appreciate you. Thank you to my husband, again, my backbone, my biggest supporter um, for helping all this to be, and then tell others to listen. And with that, there you have it, you guys. Thank you. Hey, hey, thanks for listening. Now stay connected in between episodes by texting Side Hustle Pro to 44222. You'll get my weekly Six Bullet Saturday newsletters where I share what I'm up to, what I'm reading, my business tip of the week, and resources to help you grow your side hustle. And I'm working behind the scenes on some live events, which my email list will get access to first. So make sure you're in the loop. Text Side Hustle Pro to 44222 or visit sidehustlepro.co slash SBS. Thank you.